Welcome to Keeping It 100 with Dr. Robin. And guess what? I'm Dr. Robin. Whoever you are and wherever you are, whatever time you've taken in order to, to listen to this podcast, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Well, let me tell you a little bit about who I am. But that has nothing to do with that podcast. This podcast has to do with the ministry God has given me, a ministry that would help to bring the church and the unchurched, the clergy and the lay, those that are affiliated with spiritual matters and those that are just seeking to understand spiritual matters, help to bring them together. I'm here to, to, to build a bridge. And hopefully we can cross that bridge with integrity, with honesty, and with transparency. You see, I was raised not in the church, but in the world. And I became, I was saved at 25. Well, you can do a lot of things by the time you get 25. So but when I got saved, one of the first things that I thought about was, wow, how come they didn't tell me sooner? I lived my life on happenstance and I didn't have to. I lived thinking that the only hope I had was it something would accidentally fall in my lap? And I didn't have to. And then the second thing I thought was, huh, the people where I grew up could really use this information. They could do so much better for themselves if they knew there was actually some hope, that they knew that there was something that could be done about their circumstances. And so that's the ministry that God gave me, to build a bridge. You see, I have this unique quality of being able to see both sides of the same coin. Because I was raised in the world and not in the church, I understand the world. And because I left the world, not because I was failing in the world, but because I fell in love with Jesus Christ, I see it through a different eye. But I'm also an ordained minister, which means I'm, not, I'm matriculated through the church and into the pulpit. I have a doctor's degree in theology. And this is what God has chosen for my purpose. So together, I want us to build a bridge on transparency, build a bridge on integrity, that those in the church and those not yet affiliated with the church will be able to find a little common ground. We'll have a little bit more understanding about their circumstances. Because isn't that what it's all about? You see, Jesus Christ didn't die contrary to popular belief for the church. Jesus Christ died for people and he used the church to disseminate the information. This time of the year is great, but the best is the after Christmas deals. Ever wish you could get after Christmas savings all year long? Now you can. Join the concierge club at mobetterstuff.com and the customized savings can be yours. The fee is nominal, but the savings can be huge. Sign up and let us get you after Christmas savings on those high-end ticket items you want. Go to M-O-B-E-T-T-E-R-S-T-U-F-F dot com and get ready to save money all year long. Happy Holidays! Nonprofits. I have good news for you. Are you tired of spending more time writing for funding than serving? If so, call Dr. Biswag and let her be your writing arm. Think about it. No employee fees, no workers' comp, she adds value you can see on your bottom line. 20 plus years experience that is yours on request. Pay only when you need help but nothing for downtime. Get started at http.drbizswag.com. The doctor can help. Hi, Dr. Robbie here. Welcome to the podcast. My voice is still a little raspy, 
so bear with me. This week as I went through the week and I do what I do, um, I heard about a young man, Stephen Boss, Twitch, who took his life at 40 years of age. Now, this was a young man that I had watched perform. This young man could dance like I had not seen in a long time. Everything about him was pure energy, and he had a smile that was nothing less than infectious. So when they said he took his life at 40 years of age in a rundown motel, I was taken back. I was sad. And I began to wonder, why? And I don't think anybody will ever know exactly why except Twitch and God. But I remember hearing his story. I remember hearing how his passion for dancing and his love of people gave him the umption to forge his own path. And I understand forging your own path. Forging your own path is hard. You see, that's when you have a passion to do one thing, but nobody else in your community or nobody else in your circle has done it. When you don't want what is offered to you, which I call the status quo, when the community that you're born into does not fit the lifestyle or the way that you want to do life, you have to decide whether you're going to settle for the status quo or you're going to move outside your circumstances and forge your own path. You see, I had to move outside my own circumstance because I simply was not satisfied. And so I was, it was up to me to do the work. I had to put in the hours and, 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 and fight the battles and find the tools and find the resources and, 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 and convince people to help me and to, to train me and to mentor me. And people aren't always kind. So I suspect that Stephen had done all of that and he was tired. Because it'll make you tired forging your own way. And that, I began to think about other people that had come up and they were talented as he is, he was, and um, how they didn't take their life. What's the difference? And I, I suspect that it's the same difference of people that come that are of the same racial background or the same cultural background. But some go on to be affluent and others don't. And why those that come from affluent families, even though a lot of times affluent family does not mean that both parents don't have to work. Affluent families, sometimes they go to public schools. Sometimes they, they have both parents work. But what's the difference? How do their children do so much better than others that work just as hard. And then I remembered a young friend of mine, a friend of mine that that I, I met during seminary, 
And she was from an affluent family. But she went to public school. Both parents worked. But in one day in a conversation, she remembered telling me. I said, well, what did you do when you were a kid? Because I was interested because I didn't know that many affluent families when I was growing up. So when I got grown, I wanted to know what they did. So she began to tell me, well, we just went to Jack and Jill. Well, I had never heard of a Jack and Jill. So I began to do my research. Jack and Jill is an organization that intervenes in the life of African-American children from affluent families. You see, they send them there and they participate in their events in order to teach them how to succeed, to provide for them coaches and people to emulate, to give them tools that they can go forward and do and achieve many goals. Hmm. And that began to so they were the those that they, they were the intervention in their lives. And I began to wonder what if young people that weren't affluent had organizations to intervene in their lives. To provide intervention. And that's what the church is supposed to do. They're supposed to intervene in the lives of people. That they might have good success. But sometimes the church is so busy doing what they do that they don't see the person that needs more than what they have. You guys know that I wasn't raised in the church. And because I wasn't raised in the church, although I attended some of the activities of the church, because they were in the neighborhood. They gave a Halloween party, I went. I was a heathen at church. But I was there. And that's the way a lot of young people are doing. A lot of young people that I came up did the same thing. So we didn't have the church to intervene in our lives because we weren't continuously there. We didn't learn the values. We were an outsider looking in. So who intervenes for us? And I began to wonder, who intervenes for young people that have no one to support them and no one to emulate? They have no shoes, no steps to follow. Who intervenes for them? And God gave me a chapter and verse to look at. He gave me a whole lot of chapters and verses to look at. But he went back to the Old Testament and to Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah is not the most popular chapter. Because it's filled with all the things the people were doing wrong and how they were maddening God with their actions. How they were, how he was going to 
pull away from them. From, Je from Jeremiah 1 through Jeremiah 23, it's all about how they had sinned against God and how they were doing everything they thought they were big enough to and how God kept trying to get them to come back. He sent this guy by the name of Jeremiah, who was a prophet. Now, Jeremiah was not the only prophet. You see, there are just because you have the title of prophet don't mean doesn't mean that you're God's prophet. See, you can test a lie just like you can testify. Okay, you can prophesy just like you can prophesy. Jeremiah was God's God, God's prophet. He said exactly what God told him to say. But there were other prophets in the land. Other prophets that were telling people it was going to be all right. That God was not going to strike them down because of what they were doing. He would tell them there were going to be peace in the midst of war. And there was going to be peace in the midst of chaos. That what they were doing was not going to cause them any repercussions. But they were prophesying. They were saying those things from their own hearts and not what God had given them to say. It got so bad that the people were exiled out of their homeland. God allowed the their enemies to overtake them. But then being God as he is God, his compassion kicked in. You see, God is love and you really can't stay mad when you or pure love. So in Jeremiah 24 and 7, he was talking about the people coming back to him. You see, Jeremiah had told them over and over and over and over again. Because God would send Jeremiah and he would give talk to the people of how they would be destroyed if they did not come back to him. He tried to warn them time and time and time again to the point where Jeremiah was ostracized. To the point where they not, not only did they not listen to him, but they scorned him. They mocked him. They even beat him a couple of times. But he continued to give the information God had given. But they didn't listen and they were exiled. But when the compassion of God's heart kicked in, Okay. Can you imagine being exiled from your own country? And while you're there, you've got time to think. I would imagine it's sort of like being in jail. When you're taken into bondage, it's sort of like being in jail. You're restricted. You don't have a right to do what you want to do. You have to do what you're told to do. And it gives you a lot of time to think about what you should have done. And after they've had that time, God's compassion kicked in. And he said, in Jeremiah 24 and 7, I will give them a heart to know me. That's what he was going to do. He was going to bring them back by giving them a heart to know me. That I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God. He was looking forward. To the people coming back. He was looking forward. To them serving him. For they will return to me. With their whole heart. That's Jeremiah. 24 and 7. 
Because God being God, his compassion will kick in. And although they had sinned, and although everything had come about, he took them back. But you can't forget about Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was the intervention. Jeremiah was the voice that they heard. Jeremiah planted the seed in their spirit that although they didn't listen right away, they heard it when they were in captivity. Thank God for those that will intervene. And with it, I began to wonder, hmm, what if somebody intervened for those that weren't affluent, for those that weren't satisfied with the status quo, for those that were determined to make a better path, that maybe they wouldn't be as tired if they had somebody to ask or if they had some tools provided or if they were if resources if they were enlightened to resources around them maybe they wouldn't be as tired and maybe they could go on a little further realizing their dream and reaching out to someone else And that's when I received a word that said, what are you doing? Well, I'm like one person. But what are you doing? But you see, my ministry is just that. I was a heathen in the world. And God brought me forth. He provided me with the resources and the tools that I need in order to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And then he called me into ministry. And, he, and when I asked why, he said, to, you are to facilitate the breaking of strongholds. So when God asked me why, what I was doing, I had to remember how was I? I had to ask myself, how was I facilitating? So I decided to put myself out there. I got a little grant. They didn't give me any money, but they gave me tools that I could pass on. I've done a couple of things. I'm a first generational doctoral graduate. I'm the first one in my immediate family to own a home. I've done a couple of things. And I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to see if I can coach a couple people. Maybe some young people that aren't satisfied with the status quo. Maybe some young adults that want to move out of their circle of influence and into a larger arena. Maybe you need a little coaching. Maybe you need a few resources. Maybe 
You just need somebody to talk to. So I've set it up now knowing that I am English speaking only. So that is a drawback. The other drawback is that I'm like this all the time. I am 124-7. This is the way I was raised. This is all I know is to speak truth to power. So if you cannot handle the truth, then that's going to be an issue because I'm going to tell you the truth. I have granddaughters. that are not happy with me because I will not affirm a lifestyle that I do not believe in. I love them just the same. But because I will not affirm it, they have a problem. So that could be an issue. I tend to be 100. I tend to be honest with my opinion but I'm always there to talk to so I would like to help some young people I would like to be able to give them the tools that they need to move outside the resources that they need to move outside of their circle outside of what their status quo is so if that's you and you just like to talk to somebody or a helping hand, text me. I'm at 840-800-1228. I'll probably get maybe 10 people. Or maybe I won't get any. Who knows? But I did my part. I put myself out there. That I might be a person that intervenes, a person that becomes a resource, a person that simply gives you an option. And that's my ministry. So this is Dr. Robbie, and that's the podcast for today. Be safe. Be woke. Be loved in Christ. Bye for now.